Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It is great to be back with you again this week as we continue our sermon series called What a Wonderful World. Uh, The passage I am going to be reading this week comes from the book of Genesis and uh, looks at the very beginning of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to jump over to verses 30 and 31. So hear these words. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And now jumping down to verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps On the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. May God's blessing be on the reading, and hearing, and living out of this word. So, how many of you have been watching any holiday movies or TV shows this week? I must confess I have been a little bit uh, slow on watching them. My son is in a play, a Christmas play, and that has curtailed our TV watching. Uh, But certainly one of the classics that I'm sure I will get around to watching is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. One of the classic um, parts of that, of course, is the Island of Misfit Toys, and I will show a clip of that Uh, in worship tomorrow, and also I will be putting that link on the Podbean page. Uh, Many of you probably know of it, and so you know that there is, rather than the Jack in the Box, there's a Charlie in the Box. Uh, Rather than a water pistol that shoots water, there's a water pistol that shoots jelly. uh, There's a boat that sinks. There is a cowboy who rides an ostrich. There is an elephant that has spots. There's a little dolly. And every time I watch this, I'm not quite sure what's wrong with the dolly. And even some of these other things actually be kind of cool to have a cowboy maybe riding an ostrich or uh, how great would it be to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and to have a water pistol that shot jelly. So Uh, Some of these things we may not see as misfit toys, but they have caught on. I think there's a rock band called the Island of Misfit Toys. And uh, often during Christmas season, I think about that and how it connects sometimes to the Christmas story that we read from all the different Gospels. So I bring in the island, those toys on that on that island today to begin to reflect on and continue, I should say, reflecting on this whole concept of wonder, which is the theme for us this uh, season, this Advent season at Urban Village. One thing I didn't do last week and wanted to look up this week was really just the definition of wonder, because I really couldn't come up with it myself. But the definition of wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Wonder. 
So again, a review of why we are doing wonder during this time of the year. We are not trying to wash away or ignore all the painful realities that many of us are going through. And certainly every day when we watch or read about uh, the news, uh, all kinds of things that frustrate us, that anger us, that cause us real sorrow and pain. But we also want to continue to name that there is good, uh, wonderful alongside all of them, that we want to... uh, Take these wonders that we find in the Christmas miracle and in these wonders find beauty and joy and hopefully as we do all of these things, they can sustain us in the waiting during this season and in the waiting for perhaps joy to return to some of our lives too. So we want to reclaim wonder, to spend time to be intentional about thinking about wonder in our own lives. Now last week when I talked about wonder and when you think too about what are the things that bring me wonder, or that I can stop, and again, going back to the definition that would bring about a feeling of surprise mixed with admiration by something beautiful or unexpected. And the first things that may come to your mind are things that I named last week for me, like going to the Grand Canyon for the first time, or a sunflower, or going camping in the Great Smoky Mountains. And these are probably the same kinds of things that may jump to mind for you, too. And these are all great things. And as we read in our passage today, one of the very first things that we notice, and one of the things perhaps that can stir wonder in us comes from that great part of the scriptures when God says, "'Let there be light.'" There have been many songs written about that particular phrase. And as we continue to read through this passage of Genesis 2, we find things that make us or stir up wonder in us. The sky, plant-yielding seeds, trees with seeds in its fruit, all of these things bring wonder to us. Verse 30 and 31 really summarize the whole thing. Verse 30 notes that they're they're really wonderful beasts of the earth, the birds of the air. And then verse 31 closes it all up by saying, God saw everything that God had made. And indeed, it was very good. Earth, sky, lights in the sky, birds, cattle. There's a cornucopia of wonder here in this passage. But in that last verse, in 31, again, let me read it. God saw everything that God had made, and indeed, it was very good. Is there a word, or are there uh, words in this verse that particularly jump out at you? And perhaps for a lot of people, that last part, it was very good, are things that we hold on to, that all of God's creation is very good. For me, whenever I read this verse, it's always the word everything that kind of jumps out at me. To really sit with that, that God saw everything that God had made. Everything, everything, everything. And we think about creation, and there are times perhaps when we think about God's creation, we think, really, everything is very good? And so we may try to do what I do occasionally, or if I'm honest with myself, more than occasionally, and see if there's any of those Bible loopholes. Are there, is there fine print at the bottom that maybe it says, actually, not everything was very good, and they may list a few things. And if you're like me, you can probably name a few things too when you think about creation. I'm not sure if everything was very good. But as often happens when I look at the Bible, there are no loopholes here, at least in verse 31. God saw everything, and indeed, it was very good. So does God mean it? Does God mean everything 
here. Let's go back to verse 4. God saw that the light was good. And we can hopefully all agree, yes, the light is good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. So God now is getting into the business of naming things, to giving things a sense of worth and honor by giving them a name. God names the light day. And then God names the darkness The darkness God calls night. God names the darkness. The darkness is part of this everything, that everything is very good. And God goes further by naming the darkness too and calling it night. Sometimes darkness we may not see or think of as necessarily bringing about wonder, though I'm sure if we can think about it and think about the moon and the stars too, but there are other times when we think about darkness and you've heard the phrase, or I've heard the phrase anyway, I'm not sure the exact time, but something like nothing good ever happens after 11 p.m. at night or something like that. But we need to reclaim lots of things, I think, in this passage including darkness, as very good. To look at everything, even the things that we may not, or that might not jump to mind right away, that can bring about wonder in us. And darkness is one of those things. I was doing a little bit of reading about darkness this week, and it's been interesting, too. There were a number of articles about darkness as a natural resource and darkness as something that is disappearing from our world, too. And for some, this is a real crisis coming about because of the continued urbanization of our world, which means lots and lots and lots of lights at night, street lights, uh, security lights. Here in Chicago, of course, I live really in the heart of the city, and it's almost impossible to see the stars at night. And it really jumps out at me whenever I go somewhere to a more rural setting. And I was looking at this picture of just the light that is taking over the darkness in our world. And in a few years, too, it's going to be coming less and less. Now, on the one hand, we will miss out on so many of the wonders of the night sky, but also it can harm our health, too. It can harm perhaps our sleeping cycles because, and this is all from my own uh, reading about it, I didn't know this off the top of my head, too, but as you may know that when it gets dark, the body naturally produces more of the hormone melatonin, which signals the body that it's time to go to sleep. And when the sun comes up, melatonin levels lower, and that tells the body to wake up. But when darkness is compromised, and this can happen through artificial lighting or uh, sleeping perhaps during the day because you have a night shift schedule, or if you live in a home that uh, doesn't uh, get a lot of natural light and there's a contrast, then the body's production of melatonin is compromised as well, which can lead to some serious health issues for us. So all of this to say is there is beauty in darkness. When we think about what are the things that bring about wonder, We include things like darkness, too. Genesis is telling us that darkness is a key part of God's ordered world. Again, everything is good here. And we need to think about darkness as something that can bring about wonder, too. So, one more time, let's go back to verse 30. Every beast of the earth, every bird of the air, everything that creeps on the earth. So again, we may think of some good beasts that we can give God praise for and can stir up wonder in us, perhaps a pet that you have at home or some other animal that you find majestic. A bird of the air, of course, brings about wonder to us. And then we get to that everything that creeps on 
the earth. And whenever I think of things that creep on the earth, wonder doesn't normally spring to mind. You may think of things like uh, mice or snakes or worms, something people might find is beautiful. Often, however, they aren't necessarily at the top of the list. I was reading some really interesting articles this this past week about this, too. So, for example, the World Wildlife Fund will have uh, different animals that they want to protect from extinction, which is great. And you might guess which are the most popular animals that people want to support. Things like polar bears is number one, panda is number two, tiger is number three, snow leopard is number four, the meerkat is number five. If you've ever seen The Lion King, Timon is a meerkat. So all of the really handsome animals get great funding. That's all well and good. But as I was reading all these things, too, I learned that this week that there is something called the Ugly Animal Preservation Society, which is slash conservation group slash comedy night founded in Great Britain by a biologist and a writer and a TV presenter named Simon Watt. And he wanted to, he knew and acknowledged that, yes, all of these really beautiful animals like the polar bear and the tiger are great, but there are also lots of things in the creation that don't get the kind of uh, credit, that don't get the attention, perhaps, as some of these beautiful animals do. Uh, So he was trying to, and has been trying to, lift up the quote-unquote ugly animals uh, and to make sure that we are trying to protect them, too. So, for example, one of the things, or the number one, he he made it uh, an online uh, ballot, made an online voting procedure, and the number one uh, or the winner of all of this was the the beautiful blobfish, and you may have seen this uh, online. He has, I think, gotten the um, nickname Mr. Blobby, and you can just Google that as you're if you're watching this right now, uh, and to see what Mr. Blobby looks like. And I'll put this on my Podbean page too. And it's kind of this big gelatinous, just kind of. Uh, blob. There's no other way to say it, but it looks like it has kind of a face, kind of an ugly with a big nose. And uh, the blobfish, one of people trying to say, yes, there is a need for us to also save the ugly animals. And in reading all of these things, I was also reading about the naked mole rat. I don't think the naked mole rat is extinct or near extinction, but still, when you look at a picture of the naked mole rat, uh, not an animal that will win any animal beauty pageants in the near future. So probably would not get a lot of funding. And when we think about the creatures of the earth that bring wonder, the naked mole rat probably does not come to mind right away. And yet, and yet... The Naked Mole Rat, if you begin to read uh, some really remarkable things about this particular animal. And here, again, we're getting into some science, and I did not know this off the top of my head, but in doing some reading about the Naked Mole Rat, apparently the... uh, Well, first, I should say that every mammal produces... There's a complex sugar that every mammal has called uh, hyaluronin. Uh, the naked mole rat produces a particularly uh, a large amount of hyaluronin. Now, what difference does this make? Well, apparently, hyaluronin uh, enables a particular gene that scientists have found that activates uh, and that causes cancer cells to self-destruct in the body. And so the naked mole rat, for years and years and years, scientists have discovered that naked mole rats never had cancerous tumors. They 
did discover within the last year or two that they finally found one that did. But still, it was remarkable that the naked mole rat was highly resistant to tumors. And so this has caused other scientists to begin to explore and wonder, is there something about the naked mole rat that we can learn, can humans learn, that can help in combating cancer for us? And I found all of this just fascinating because, again, if you Google a naked mole rat, or if you see the picture that I'll put up on my Podbean page, it really, I mean, frankly, is just not a, an attractive animal. It is not the kind of animal for you to put your elbows on the table and gaze lovingly at it and singing, oh, naked mole rat, you are just so dreamy, uh, and you fill me with wonder whenever I look at you. Usually you kind of look away, or at least I looked away at first thinking, I'm not sure about this particular animal. And again, I go back to the Bible loopholes. Is there something perhaps that, does God also think that the naked mole rat is very good? And there it is. Everything God made was very good. And I include the naked mole rat in that too. You know, the beautiful thing about animals or parts of creation that stretch us a bit, that we may not necessarily think at first, like, I'm not sure if this is the thing I'm supposed to really reflect on that's going to uh, bring about uh, admiration and awe in myself. But when we look at things that don't jump to us right away and think, this is the thing that brings me wonder, if we have to stop and work at wonder a little bit, I think that's an even better way to go about this whole practice of um bringing wonder back into our lives. It's easy to look at a sunset and just on a dime be filled with wonder. It's not so easy to look at some animals that aren't as attractive. But instead, we stop. We stop. And we really pause and take in this part of creation and sit with that and think, can this bring about wonder and awe in me? And when we stop then I think that is what God wants us to do in our own lives, to really stop and allow ourselves to be in awe and allow ourselves to be filled with wonder. And parts of creation that may not bring about immediately, I think it's a really great way for us to do that. So as you hopefully are practicing wonder in your life during this Advent season, may we also not just be filled with wonder at the light, but also the dark. That we are filled with wonder at the polar bear, but also the naked mole rat. And when we do these particular things, then I think hopefully that gets into other parts of our lives too. If we look at our body as a miracle and a wonder, and there may be a particular body part that you like about yourself, your eyes or uh, or your hair or uh, your abs or whatever it is, but then probably for all of us there's another part or other parts that we're not so thrilled with. But to really stop and reflect and be filled with wonder at those other things that we would rather look away from. And then this begins to go into people in our lives. We may be filled with wonder because of a really great friend or a loved one in our family, and we are so grateful and filled with admiration and awe at those saints in our lives. And then, of course, we all have somebody in our lives, too, that anger us, that annoy us, maybe even that we are repulsed by, and we think, why are they a part of creation, too? Can it be that God saw all of these individuals as very good, too? And we go back to the Bible looking for those loopholes, and there's that word everything again. 
So maybe when we are forced to stop at the things that at first seem less than wonderful, but when we reflect and pray and open ourselves up and listen to see that God might be speaking to us through through those less than wonderful things, and that can engage and enlarge our capacity for wonder at the same time, so that we can indeed be filled with that kind of surprise and admiration at everything in the world, even the island of misfit toys. Amen. Well, friends, thank you again for listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful for your continued support. Uh, as always, you can reach out to me, Chris at urbanvillagechurch.org or on Twitter. I'm at Christian Kuhn and you can reach out to me in those ways. I am going to be taking uh, some time off during this season at Urban Village. Uh, we're doing some all Urban Village worship, and so I won't be preaching on the 24th or on the 31st, so I'll be back January 7th. Uh, so you can check back with me then, both on Facebook Live and on the podcast. Um, you can always check out my other podcast, Failing Boldly. Uh, I will have a new one coming up uh, next Friday. Uh, James Martin, the uh, Catholic author uh, and priest, will be uh, my guest. And so you can check me out there or listen to me there. Uh, again, so friends, thank you once again for listening. Thank you for watching. And may the peace of Christ be with you. First day.